So I'm trying to like remind myself that I need to remember who I am um, and, you know, gain inspiration from me as well. Cause I think we forget and we always seek for outside validation when we should remember we are enough for ourselves. Um, especially moms, you know, like we're freaking heroes and we should know it, <laughs> you know? scene from Friends where Ross, Chandler, and I think it's Rachel are trying to move in Ross's new couch. And Ross just keeps shouting, pivot, pivot, pivot. I honestly must think of that at least once a day as I feel like I'm just constantly pivoting and reprioritizing all day long. And hearing Deepti's story about how her company, Food to Eat, had to make a drastic pivot because of COVID while simultaneously juggling a lack of childcare really gave me a whole new perspective. And her story gives me hope that even when it may feel like you're totally out of options, you can still find a way to pivot because that's what we do as working moms. We find a way to get it done. Welcome to Work Like a Mother, a podcast dedicated to real conversations with incredible women juggling work, life, and motherhood. I'm Bridget Garsh, co-founder of Neighbor Schools and your host. Today, I'm excited to sit down with Deepti Sharma, serial entrepreneur. Deepti's career centers on her passions, food, community, and advocacy. She is unafraid to pivot to figure out a new solution to make less than ideal circumstances work, both at home and in her career. And you know what's most inspiring? Deepti continues to chase her dreams. She always knew that she wanted to have a greater impact in her community So she ran for city council in New York City last year. I hope we all seek a bit of inspiration from Deep D. Becoming a mom can really open new paths and opportunities for us. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome to Work Like a Mother. I'm so excited to be here with you. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here as well and to talk to a human because it doesn't really happen or an adult human. I do talk to humans a lot, but they're like three and five. And I was going to say, so you're having less conversations, maybe more negotiations and like strategy oh tactics. <laughs> Our, like kids are the best negotiators, but like, they're also the worst at it too. Cause none of it makes sense. And there's no logic. And mm-hmm. they just are just trying to convince you till you break down and say yes to whatever it is that they want. That's it. Yes. That's a negotiation tactic. (laughs) My oldest woke up this morning at five 30 and I went into his room because he was calling for me and he's like, I'm hungry, but I don't want to get dressed and I don't want to do this. And then we start talking and I'm giving him choices. And then he says, I don't want any of those things. And I'm like, okay, what do you want? And he's like, I don't know what I want. And I'm like, okay, this is, we've, we've now reached like a complete impasse here. How do we, there are yeah. no negotiation. There's no bargaining chips. There's no negotiating anymore. We, we had a similar situation where our kid woke up um, and was like, I'm hungry. So we convinced him to brush his teeth and, you know, do the morning routine. And then 
He was like, I want to eat something round. And I was like, okay, so you can eat a dosa, which is like an Indian crepe and which is round. Usually I said, you can eat a waffle. You can have a veggie patty. Like I just like gave him like all these things. And he was like, no. And I was like, okay. And he was like, cookies are round too. (laughs) I was like, well, yeah, but like, it's a little early for M&M cookies right now. (laughs) Right. Right. Just like kept, I was like, I'm giving you, you said something round. So I was like, I've given you like five other things that are round. So right. I'm, I'm giving you what you want. You just want something in particular and you don't, you know, I'm going to say no. So you're trying another way to try to get it. I give uh, him credit though. That was clever, right? Like he's like, yeah. all right, I know if I ask for the cookie, she's going to say no. But if I ask for something round, maybe she'll offer the cookie. Like you can like see their, their minds working and trying to test it out. Very, very, very good negotiators. Yes, that is very true. Well, um, where I wanted to start, I mean, you're a CEO and founder of food to eat your co-founder of Vicky. You ran mm-hmm. for city council in New York city last year. And this list goes on and on. You're a mom of two. I can't wait to dig into all of those topics, but I actually want to rewind a little bit back to before you had your kids. What were your aspirations professionally before you became a mom? Um, That's interesting because I can't even remember anymore. But um, if I, you know, I think that I just have always been surrounded by this like goal to create and whatever I create or whatever I do or spend my time in for me was always about um, my impact and creating new opportunities and resources. And so I did that first through my first company, Food to Eat. And the idea there, you know, for anyone listening that doesn't know, Food to Eat is a corporate catering service where we partner with immigrant women, minority-owned restaurants to help them book catering jobs at large corporate offices. On the surface, it's a really simple company. You're a corporation like Warby Parker that needs catering for their employees. You reach out to Food to Eat, and we, you know, help deliver good food from good food from local restaurants to you. But beyond that, we were really helping local restaurants that never get asked for catered meals, you mm-hmm. know, from large corporations like a Warby Parker or the Skim, which were some of our clients. And so for me, the goal again was to create new opportunities for marginalized communities. And I did that through this catering platform we created. Um, so pre-kids and post-kids, I think that, you know, the mission has always been the same internally as a, as a person is just, what can I do to continuously create opportunities um, and, and resources for marginalized communities. And that largely came from, you know, I've, I think post-college, I took time to sit down and just like ask myself questions like, who am I? <laughs> you know, it sounds like super existential, but like, it was just trying to figure out, I think, cause as, as a kid, you know, as a first generation kid, whose you know, parents came to this country as 19, 20 year olds, it was always like, trying to figure out my identity and who I was and what did I want to do with that. And for a large part growing up, like I was always trying to not show, you know, what it meant to be an Indian or a Hindu. Like I just wanted to fit in. I wanted to be like other kids. I wanted to bring Lunchables to school, but there were no vegetarian versions of Lunchables. So my mom was packing my lunch, you know, or like the school lunch wasn't very vegetarian friendly. And so I was always trying to steer away from like, I didn't want to be the kid with smelly food And then as I got older, I was like, well, all these things that made me different as a kid or kids made fun fun of me for, 
A, it was probably because they were scared and they didn't know. And so when kids are unfamiliar with things, they tend to just make fun of it because that's their defense mechanism. And, you know, as I got older, I was like, all of these things make me who I am. These are the things that make me unique. How do I use each of these things to push forward and create and give back and um, impact my community? And so that's where, you know, identifying as a woman, identifying as a um, first generation immigrant kid and an Indian American, having these dual identities um, is what I use to push forward into creating my company, my first company, and even thinking about like running for office. Like I worked in politics throughout college. I always saw as politics as a, you know, a way to help your community as well. And I saw again, like, so for me, three kids, it was always just create cool shit and like put like, you know, those opportunities that I didn't have, um, try to create for those communities just in the same ways that I wanted, right. To be, to be a role model for young women that didn't have, you know, that I like the, the, cause the role models didn't exist for me. Right. I, you know, the fact that young women can see themselves in Kamala Harris is a really big deal, right. Black and Brown girls didn't even think it was possible. Like even pre-kids, I think I just kept when, you know, somebody would invite me to speak. I was like, why are they inviting me? But I'm like, I'm going to take this opportunity because when somebody else sees me here, they also feel that they have the opportunity to be on the stage to be in this podcast or whatever it is, right? Like to be heard and to be seen is important. So I think that that was my goal. And then when I had kids, I wanted to do that 10 times more, right? Like I just wanted, because I wanted them to see and I wanted it to be normalized for them as well. Now I have, you know, not just a partner, but I have two humans that depend on me. Um, And not only do they depend on me, like if I want to, them to be good, you know, um, you know, contributing humans of this society, then I have to be around to teach them stuff, right? Like they, I can't just expect them to learn everything on their own. Um, so for me, it was important to be as present as I could be. Um, but, you know, I, I say this all the time. I have, I've always signed up to be a working parent. Like I didn't want to be, you know, a stay at home mom. It's just not what I, I don't think I was cut out for. Um, but being a working parent is, hard, (laughs) especially in this pandemic. Yeah. I mean, you, you talked about a minute ago, how everything is constantly evolving, right? Being a working parent is evolving and very different from when you became a working parent to the working parent you are at this moment in time, your career is evolving as well. Can you talk a little bit about some of the changes that have happened both as a working parent and in your career over the last few years? Yeah. Um, I mean, the pandemic really changed um, a lot for me. So the pandemic hit uh, March, 2020 um, food to eat, which was, you know, doing a million dollars in revenue went from a million dollars in revenue to zero in a day because everyone was working from home. Our company literally depended on people being in their offices because we were feeding them when they were working. And so our company shut down within a day with, you know, with the catering. And I was just like, okay, interesting. I wonder how long this will last. And, you know, I kept saying, okay, like, you know, maybe things will get better or whatever. And we could all clearly see things weren't getting better. And so immediately I thought to myself, okay, if like, if our company obviously took a hit, everyone in this industry is the restaurants, the workers. And so how can I help? And so I started a GoFundMe 
within the first, um, like literally the first day of the, of being locked down. And we raised, you know, $5,000 within the first few hours. And then we ended up raising $60,000. Um, and then we, you know, the goal was to take that money and to buy meals from the local restaurants that we partnered with and then give those meals out to frontline workers because that's who we saw that we're working really hard, you know, on the front lines, we wanted to mm. you know, pay them respect. And also like, just like food is such a, a beautiful way to say thank you to someone. And then we like realized, well, not only are these people working hard, there's so many people that are going food insecure, people that have lost their jobs that worked at these restaurants, restaurants were shutting down left and right. And so we were finding, you know, families to feed. So we were feeding food insecure families. We were feeding, um, you know, we partnered with a nonprofit that worked within the space of uh, working with survivors. And so we were feeding, you know, so there was just like a whole slew of like, we just wanted to help. We just wanted to, you know, take what we knew how to do best, which is like feed people, help people and just do it in the right way. And so in the first eight months of the pandemic, we fed over 150,000 people. And this was all through either our own fundraising, we raised grants, we worked with World Central Kitchen, and our goal was to just help our restaurant partners and help people that needed food. That was it. And so when you say, how did life change? The pandemic drastically changed my company, right? It took away everything that we were doing. And that was the moment when I was doing all of this food insecurity work where I felt like, what am I doing? Like, what can I do to really better and change my community? I worked in politics in college on a number of campaigns. You know, my husband and I co-founded the second company a few years prior. And I just thought like, but I want to have a deeper impact. Like, great, I'm helping, you know, the bottom line. I'm helping them catering, get catering jobs. Like, but what else can I do? And that's when I decided to run for office. I knew it was something I always wanted to do. It was an open seat, you know, New York City, just, you know, we have a majority female city council in New York, which is huge, right? So there was this opportunity in 2020 that I saw, which was to run for office. And I took it and I decided to do something that I was always so scared to do, but I knew I always wanted to. And it was actually tomorrow. So February 2nd is a year ago from my election day. So originally my election was supposed to be a June 2021 primary, but because um, the city, the person who was sitting in the seat who was going to be leaving anyways, decided to leave earlier than expected, it turned into a special election. And so what I thought I had eight months to do, I had eight weeks. Um, And, you know, I came in fourth out of eight candidates and I was really proud of the fact that I was able to touch, you know, even that many people. Mm-hmm. that were that saw something in me that like believed in me and i you know i'm trying to figure out what running for office looks like next but um i highly recommend it cuz i think we need more moms and working parents in office i think we need more small business owners in office because if you think about who's legislating who are who's actually writing the legislation it has to be people that are experiencing those problems right like when i hear that a nurse is running i get really excited right or a teacher is running because they know the problems that, you know, they've endured and they're going to be the ones that are going to help write the legislation. We have to have people that have lived those lives really go in, run for office and help create the legislation that's needed for the future. So um, 
Yeah. I mean, it's so the past few years have been a roller coaster, you know, from like a company I was running for 10 years, you know, go from just being at its peak to, you know, dropping down to like running for office to, you know, even some of the stuff I'm doing now, I'm really excited about, but it's just crazy how I never expected to be where I am in my career. You know, I thought Futi was, you know, we were on our way to get acquired that year as well. It was just so uh, I could have never thought I would be here, but I, I'm happy, you know, like with where I'm at. And I think I've, I'm a firm believer that everything does happen for a reason. And you have to take each step as like, you know, a way of like getting you to where you were really truly meant to be. Well, as I'm thinking about and trying to line, line up the dates, right? So you have all these changes and amazing work that you're doing with food to eat in response to the pandemic then you're also running for office and you have two kids who are presumably at home for some chunk of that time. Like, what did that look like? How did your, your, your working motherhood transform (laughs) during, during the pandemic? So, you know, pre-pandemic, our kids were in daycare. Um, You know, we, had them in daycare, then the pandemic hit and we were basically just at home, right? Um, there was no childcare, there was no schools. Our um, older son started pre-K in the fall of 2020, but that was remote. Um, so it was tag teaming, right? Like my, uh, you know, our we're lucky that we live in New York and our grand, all the grandparents are here, but they're all working, right? So as much support as we have, because they live near us, they're mm-hmm. all working. When they saw what we were going through, they teamed up to just be like, all right, we'll try to take shifts and we'll try to help out. It wasn't enough, you know, because again, like they're also working and they have their own lives that they have to live to survive as well. But it was chaos. You know, we, I was just basically asking anyone and everyone that had a couple of hours here and there to help us watch the kids whether it was, you know, our neighbor, I was like, Hey, can you come over? Just like, you know, our neighbor has, um, you know, two kids that are in college and post-college and they were like helping out a little bit here and there. And it was just, it was chaos. It was hell. Nothing I ever want to go back to, you know, like that. It was just no school, you know, the schools weren't open and it was frustrating. And, Again, like I, like I said, I did, I signed up to be a working parent that had a, at least like school system that was open where kids can go and learn. And like, I signed up to be that I didn't sign up to be at home all the time with my kids and working and trying to figure out lunch and this, like, it, it was a lot. Um, and I think a lot of people like fell into that trap very quickly where we all were like, Hey, we signed up to have kids, but we thought it was going to be different. Right. Right. You know, we, we thought that there was going to be a system that worked for us and that helped us. And there's no parental leave policies that make sense in this country, right? Like there is no childcare, like that makes sense. That's affordable. Like all of these things are just super expensive. And so what are we having kids for? Like how do working class parents like survive? Like, you know, I, you know, we're fighting for a minimum wage of 15 an hour. I'm like, what does that actually pay for? Mm-hmm. Nothing. They can't, they can't take their kids on vacation. They can't enjoy a nice, you know, meal out once in a while when they don't feel like cooking or takeout or like you can't survive with a family of four, especially in New York city. So what are we fighting for? And and I think that it 
this like crazy realization came again, like why I wanted to run for office, why I was super motivated, because I kept also thinking like, nothing has changed from when my mom was raising us, right? She was waiting in line at a community center at like six in the morning so that she can get us in to the after school programs that they had. And that community center still exists, but those programs disappeared. Mm-hmm. They have an after school program, but it's like a, you know, glorified homework helper program. It was chaos and just like trying to manage who did I know and who could help and who could contribute to like our family that, you know, that needed help at the moment. But it was hard. Lots of arguing. <laughs> well, I feel like both on the like professional front and on the family front, right? Like you're saying it was really hard. Like what were some of the sources of motivation and strength during such a challenging time? I joined the PTA and talking to those other mothers who've become friends, right? Like who will like go out and, and, and sit in the park after dropping the kids and like, just talk and like, just exchange stories. It was that like sisterhood, parenthood that like really was helpful. And, you know, truly just hearing the stories of people struggling where I was like, people need help, right? Like they don't need yet another, I mean, that's who, you know, they don't need someone who's just been doing the same things over and over again they need change and they need someone that's going to give a damn and like going to fight for the changes that are needed and necessary for parents um and for the elderly and for the people that don't have someone supporting them and fighting for them and so for me during that time um it was those people it was the pta you know parents it was the 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 constituents that i was fighting to run to represent um and now, you know, it's my, my, I think my greatest strength as I was like talking to my husband, cause I know I was running late for, for a recording. It was just like saying to him that I, like, I think I'm finally remembering that I was doing a lot of cool shit. Right. And to know that like, I am worthy, right? Like, I think like in this past couple of years, a lot of us have forgotten like all the amazing things that we have done and we're capable of, and we have to build ourselves back up. We have to believe in ourselves as well. So I was getting the strength from all these other people, but I also had to remind myself that you are worthy, you are enough, and you are amazing. And you have done all these amazing things and those things will come back to you. Right now, it's your time to do this. And that this is to be a little bit more flexible with your time and like not be that constant working parent that I was before. So I'm trying to like remind myself that I need to remember who I am um, and, you know, gain inspiration from me as well. Cause I think we forget and we always seek for outside validation when we should remember we are enough for ourselves. Um, Especially moms, you know, like, we're freaking heroes and we should know it, <laughs> you know? They're such beautiful and, and very true words. Um, can you share one story of you as a working parent that convinces us you're you're human and you're not this superwoman? What's what's a story that keeps it very real? But I, I wish I could just show you my floor right now. <laughs> like There are literally, there's like a random Trader Joe's bag Um, there's a ton of crayons all over the floor. There's blocks 
there's, there's literally everything you can imagine, like is on my floor right now, bottles, juice boxes, like as I'm holding one up, um, like probably spilled too. like, that is real motherhood where up here, everything like on the surface, like, you know, looks great. And you go below and it's just like a deep dive into the shittiness of what parenting really can be like. Thank you for sharing your time with me. I want to finish up and ask you some rapid fire questions. What is one piece of mom gear you can't live without? I don't know if this is technically mom gear, but I would say my fanny pack. Um, I like, I don't wear them like the traditional fanny packs. I wear them across my chest, but like, I love being hands-free, but also having the, like the essentials of what I might need. Um, But I would say fanny pack is my, is my like go-to. Who do you love to follow on Instagram? Well, Rihanna. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> she just became a mom. So being a mom is kind of cool now again. <laughs> um, I mean, I love family. I, I love following other founders. Um, and I love following founders that are sharing real stories. Um, Hitha mm. well, Palipu is a, has become a friend. Um, Amanda Goats, who's a founder, I love like following them because they're sharing the realities of what they're going through and they don't sugarcoat it. Mm -hmm. And that's what I really, really appreciate is that it's the truth about like what motherhood and being a working parent is like. Um, And that like, sometimes you try to be sexy, but it's just not working. And so it is what it is. Like, you're just going to look how you look like today. I thought I'd try to look good for this call. And I'm in a sweatshirt and I put hoops on just so I could feel a little fancy. (laughs) But yeah, I I just love following people that keep it real and are super transparent about, you know, what their life is like. I love that you thought of both of them because they've both been on work like a mother. So that's really exciting that um, we've been able to share their stories too. What's one hack that makes your life easier? So I recently discovered this, but you know, those like plastic shoe things that you can put behind a door, like you can put like your shoe, it's like a plastic shoe rack and you can put your shoes in it. Yeah. Uh, You can use that as a Lego and toy organizer. Mm. Yeah. That's so brilliant. What's on your nightstand right now? Um, so technically we don't have a nightstand because we just moved and we're refurnishing, um, but currently what is on my quote unquote nightstand is uh, Unbound, which is a book by Tarana Burke, who's the founder of Me Too, of the Me Too movement. Um, and as a survivor myself, it's just been an amazing read. And I hope people gain some inspiration to read it as well. Well, well, thank you so much for for sharing your, your morning with me, for uh, making time with all that you have going on to, to share with me and with all of our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I appreciate you having me as well. Work Like a Mother is produced by Neighbor Schools. Neighbor Schools is a startup in Boston that I co-founded in 2018 to help parents find daycare. As a first-time parent, finding childcare can feel scary and intimidating. At Neighbor Schools, we help you find daycare you'll feel really good about so you can go back to work with the peace of mind that your little one is getting the socialization, support, and stimulation they need to learn and grow. We've helped thousands of moms and dads figure out the daycare search. Check us out at neighborschools.com. And when you get in touch, mention that you discovered us on the podcast. 
Thanks for joining me today. We'll see you next time.